You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, we ascribe all the glory and all the praise to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for strength. We thank you for comfort. We thank you for instruction in righteousness. Our Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. All right. Every time they were telling me, don't sing, don't sing, don't do this. Why? I'm not the pastor of the church. I beg. When I come down, I'll just I'll rake for them. Don't worry. And you guys worshipped along, so yeah, we're all. But it's it's such a wonderful thing to be in God's presence and just to not just think, but to know that God actually loves you. Um, this morning, I want to speak um, on a title I put, The Audacity of Love. And the word audacity um, speaks to boldness. Um, it speaks to a willingness to take bold risks. Um, and I know I've said it recently, but our definition of love cannot just be the definition that the world has for that word. Because the Bible says that God is love. So our definition of love cannot just be what the world has for that word. Okay? When I was much younger, um, it used to be that song they used to play, so when a man loves a woman... And I know not all of us know that song because it's just before your time. But, <laughs> but, you know, then they will say, oh, the man will stand in the rain. He will do this. And, and men have been known to do all sorts of, let's not say foolish, but unimaginable things. And some guys here, you know what you've done. You've trekked. You've used all your pocket money just to make sure she had a pleasant dinner. You've used all your, you've sent her airtime when you didn't have any. <laughs> um, and just the crazy things that we've done for love but it's interesting that that still doesn't capture sufficiently the essence and the power of God's love the strength of God's love so this morning I want to try and talk through the type of love that we have received um, you know I used to wonder when I watched I think it was Titanic years ago and you know that scene towards the end when the woman is on the, just one piece of wood or something left and the woman is on it but the guy is freezing and dying. I just wonder, why didn't two of them just come down? <laughs> she really loved him. I just, I just couldn't understand why he died alone. Okay? <laughs> um, but God's love is not like the love of a man. Because um, so, some of us here, you know we, when you've told people before, I love you. I love you. I can't, I can't even sleep without thinking of you. When I wake up, all the birds that are singing in my village, it's your name they are singing about. When I look into the clouds, I see your eyes. You know, you've told all those rhymes. And then fast forward to five years later, you can't imagine that. <laughs> 
you even love that person. You're like, how? How? I've been crazy. There's something wrong with me. But so the love of a man or a woman can sometimes fail. But that's not how God's love is. In Ephesians 3 and verse 19, Apostle Paul speaks about God's love passing knowledge. He doesn't mean it can't be known. He means that we we don't have enough knowledge yet to describe it. Romans 5 and 8, Pastor Godman was preaching out of this last week, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, what is the nature of God's love? So, before we even deserved it, even when we do not deserve it, God loves us. I'd like to read out of Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3. Just talk very quickly about God's love and how audacious it is. So Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And here the Bible says, The Lord said to me, speaking to the prophet, Go show your, your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Where's Akko? Is Akko around? Let's do, let's do some. Is Akko here? Where's Akko? Akko, please come. Where's Shala? Lawal. Just permit me to try and... Shala, come. It's your lucky day. <laughs> so, I, I need to put this. So, Akko, if you could sit here, there, and... Shala, obviously, you've been praying. <laughs> yes. So, you're sliding into my message. You have to come this way. Just obey my instructions. <laughs> and so God says to the prophet, he says, um, I'm about to bless you. I hear you're single. <laughs> calm. It's just, a, just an example, okay? <laughs> it's not a real thing, okay? <laughs> it's calm. So I hear you're single. And I'm about to bless you. And the prophet because happy, so happy prophet. Not too happy face. <laughs> okay. And, you know, um, it's time for you to get a wife. The challenge is that where God tells him to go and get a wife, and oh, by the way, Akko is a lovely woman. <laughs> and she's single. <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> and she's also from Agbo, where my wife is from. Good stock, okay? She's your sister, okay? <laughs> They're claiming you're ready. <laughs> okay, but um, the challenge is that God doesn't ask the prophet to go and get a wife from the place where they normally go and get wives from, from the good places, from the good street. He didn't ask him to go to the business school. He says there's a troubled young woman who's living a very challenged life. And, and so God sends him to, so you just walk across and go and stay. And God sends Hosea, go. <laughs> and God sends Hosea to, to his wife, Goma. And you read Hosea chapter 1. That's what's there. The challenge is that, you know, after God has set her up and set him up, 
And, and all of this, God is trying to show his love for Israel and the kind of love that he has. The challenge is that Gomer doesn't change. She, she doesn't change. She, the life that she's used to is extremely tempting for her. And, and so she, she walks away. You need to walk away. And she walks, do it gracefully. <laughs> and so she walks away. And this is what we do every now and again. <laughs> and she walks away. And, and so when we read Hosea chapter 3, God is saying, go show your love to your wife again. She's not a girlfriend. She's not a side chick. She's not just someone you have a crush on. She was his wife, someone she was married to, he was married to. He says, but now, even though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, and he says to love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Verse 2 says, so I bought her for 50 shekels of silver, and about a homer and a letek of Bali. So you need to go again. And, and um, you can imagine how Hosea is feeling at this time. That <laughs> you can imagine how Hosea is feeling at this time. Because there's no real reason why he should be paying for something that he had acquired before, quote and unquote, and permit me to use that, he had given his life for before, but I had been unfaithful to him. When you read Hosea chapter 1 and Hosea 2, there are even suggestions that the child or the children that she has born for him or had for him are not his. It's, it's tough. But, you know, God's love for Israel, inshallah, you need to like something romantic, maybe kneel down or something at this point. <laughs> God's love for Israel is such that, <laughs> it's such that, it's such that even when she's totally undeserving, even when She's totally wicked. Even when she has embarrassed him in front of family, friends, even when she has turned her back on him, even when she has deceived him, God's love is such that he refuses to, in fact, he continues to pay the price for her. And let's put our hands together for Shalash. <laughs> Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let's, let's put our hands together for both of them. And Shalash, if anything happens, just let me know. Find us. Ah, gentleman. <laughs> okay. But you need to read the book of Hosea to get a sense for how reckless, if I could use the word God's love is. How 
define of protocol God's love is. God's love is not what men have said it is. God's love is not constrained by our faults. God's love is not constrained by your history. And it's a, it's a great place to start this discussion because there are people here who still don't believe that God loves them. Or you know he loves all of us, but you're not sure if he loves you as a person. God's love is not the one we sing of on TV. God's love is not the love that we show on Twitter and we say, I love you, but you give me your life. I find it very odd because I think that when you say you love someone, you should offer them your life. Oh, I love you very much. Come and marry me. But God's love is unrestricted by our faults. It's the how dare you kind of love. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. This is really important for us to come to terms with. I know we are Africans, so the whole concept of love is one that we don't really deal with. African men, at least in the generations before, were not very expressive. So if your father called you and said, I just want to tell you, Fatai, I love you. Just like, ah, oh, it's about to die. Something's, something's wrong. But, but God's love is not like that. God forgives all things that we have done wrong. All things. And I can hear the conflict in the hearts of some people already because you're like, but you don't know where I have been. And I just want us to start from there. The kind of love that God has for us, the kind of love that God has communicated to us, is audacious. So he says to her, it doesn't really matter. And I don't, I don't know where you've been. I just I feel very constrained to just say this. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what it is that is threatening to separate you from God's love. For someone, it is that you have lived a fairly robust life. For someone, it's that people have told you, Bukun shared earlier, how from a young age, that maybe you're not even worthy of love. For someone, you've made mistakes. For someone, you've not come to the fullness of your potential academically, financially, in your career. And you, 
find it difficult to grasp the fact that this can be someone worthy of love. But God loves you. Help me tell someone next to you. Tell them God loves you. I mean, look at them seriously and tell them, I don't know why. <laughs> but God loves you. <laughs> the, the reason why we have to come to terms with God's love and the audacious nature of God's love is because if we don't do that as Christians, the love we then take to the world is not exactly what God has asked us to. So in John 13 and verse 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In fact, you see the same thing in John 15 and 12, where scripture says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Um, in the Old Testament, it would say, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But you almost see here a new standard that the requirement for you to love and how you're meant to love others is not even just how you love yourself. It's how God has loved you. I remember this week talking to someone and saying that sometimes we actually look at the world around us and we decide that they are undeserving of God's love. So we give them the version of love that we have. We look at Yimika. Ah, did you see the way she talks to me that day? Ah, there's no way she deserves the kind of love that God has given me. You look at Nikki and say, ah, that day she didn't even greet me now. And then even when I told her she was now eyeing me, it's, there's no way. Or you think of your father. And you say, do you know how wicked he was to my mother? And you say, there's no way. So you give to them the kind of love that you. So you, you have received God's love. Audacious it is. But what we give is not what we have received. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Apostle Paul says, Therefore... Be imitators of God as their children. He says, and walk in love as Christ also loved us. And he's given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. As I prepared for you know, the service, I two things. One was the fact that this whole concept of love emergencies that's the phrase that dropped in my heart. And how that we have love emergencies all across the world. And I explain very quickly what that means. It means that there are urgent, large scale, close enough, 
situations that need to be dealt with by love. And I, I began to get a push in my heart. It's because what happens when you have an emergency? I remember saying this years ago when I was on my during my induction uh, at one place I worked. How we're talking about national heroes, and I said, when you have a fire, what you need is not people who can describe the fire in eloquent terms. You don't even need people who can cry. You need people who can go and find firefighting equipment, water, and douse it. So there are love emergencies all across the world. There are problems in our world today that do not have a political solution. In fact, there are problems in our country that really don't have a political, so it's not a political party that will solve it. It is the love that God has given us, not the love that men have shown us, but the love that God has given us that we are meant to take to the world and solve that. Isn't it interesting how more and more we find that with very young people, their cycles of love are interrupted in the very early stages? Because what happens is almost like a disabling of their capacity to relate, to accept, to share love, even as time goes on. So, this morning, I, I just wanted to position our hearts a bit about the kind of love that God has asked us to share. And I'll talk a bit about that very quickly. So, audacious love, what is it? How does it work? I mean, I've described it, and I just try and put a couple of points down, so if you're writing, you can write notes down. So, audacious love forgives all things and all people. In, I think it's in Colossians 3.13, where Apostle Paul says to forgive as Christ or God has forgiven you. Um, Ephesians 4.32, the same thing there. So audacious love forgives all things and all people. Um, I think it was last year I talked about the fact that you need to, because offense in this world is guaranteed, that you need to forgive before you become bitter. And Jesus shows us a great example on the cross when he asks for forgiveness for the people who are persecuting him. So audacious love does not hold any man or woman, any person in unforgiveness. In fact, scripture says in Matthew 5, 43, it says you have heard that it's said before, you heard that what it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, Matthew 5. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine, to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
That's Joyce Meyer who says that many people ruin their health and their lives by taking the poison of bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. So audacious love forgives regardless of what has happened. I don't know, perhaps, quick question. Is there anyone who you have not forgiven? Is there anyone who you have put in the file cannot be forgiven? And I know that oftentimes the hurt is real. I know that oftentimes what they did is a big deal. But is there anyone who you hold in unforgiveness? And, you know, one thing I find about audacious love is that it refuses to hold anyone in unforgiveness. We can talk about the pain that they have caused us. We can talk about whether we want to relate with them going forward. We can talk about how to protect ourselves from further pain. But scripture is clear about the requirement for us to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Help me look at the person next to you and tell them, please forgive me. You might not know it, but <laughs> you never know. Okay? Is there anyone who you've refused to forgive? Second thing about audacious love is that it crosses the road, and I'll tell you what that means, regardless of status, reputation, whatever. It crosses the road. And I'll tell you what that means. In Luke 10, verse 30, the Bible says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. 32 says, so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged him, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So, audacious love does not have boundaries. What I mean is that it doesn't stop. So, I don't love, I'm from Yoruba, I don't love only Yoruba people. In fact, that's important for somebody. And I say that very seriously. Because they've, they've told you since you were growing up that you, that, in fact, they've told you that everybody who is not Yoruba cannot be married. So, audacious love does not love only rich people. Audacious love does not love only young people. In fact, audacious love does not love only Christians. 
Because sometimes what happens as you have been in church for a while is that you get to the point where when you speak about people who are not saved, you speak from a point of superior spirituality. When I was in the university, we used to call them umbels, which was short for unbelievers. But you had to say it with an attitude. Our umbels, the umbels. Just hanging out with umbels. <sighs> God has forgiven us. In fact, audacious love does not have boundaries of nationality. For some of us, unbeknown to you, you cannot stand people from certain races and nationalities. And for some of us, you can't stand certain gender. So when they say, so just on your mind, it's all men are pigs, terrible. In the scripture that we read, or we just read, the Bible says that every other person passed by on the other side. A and audacious love refuses to withhold love just because we can go on the other side of the road. Interestingly, you would realize that the priest and the Levite were not very far away. Audacious love refuses to be bound. So Jesus would heal on the Sabbath day because he could. Jesus will speak to the Samaritan woman. They did not expect, they, they, those two tribes did not speak, but he will speak to her. Jesus will defend the woman who was about to be stoned to death even after they had told him that she was caught in adultery. So my question is, where are the boundaries of the love that you are showing? Where, where did you put your boundaries? Who have you stopped talking to? Who have you refused to be kind-hearted towards? Who have we continued to ignore not because they offended us, but because our parents told us that they don't talk to their parents. I know we can't process all the pain in the world. So we create filters and situations. But audacious love will cross the road. And, and so for me, it's that simple distinction between just normal earthly love and the love of God which Jesus says we should love with. In Luke 32 and 32, he says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? He says, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Audacious love crosses the road. I don't know who God is bringing your way or has brought your way. I don't know who is lying down and who needs your attention. Quickly, audacious love does not live for itself. Audacious love does not live for itself. I keep saying that you cannot be the object of your own life. You cannot be the object of your own life. In Genesis 4 and 9, God says to Cain, Cain, where is your brother? 
And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And you could say, well, I live for others. But you, it, best, it reflects best when we consider what our goals, our targets, our dreams are. When you think of how you will use your life. When you think about when they say about Tommy, ah, Tommy has hammered. What does that mean? Does it mean that you have your favorite car, perhaps a G-Wagon in all your favorite colors? Does it mean you can travel to any country you want in a private jet? Does it mean you have all the things you ever wanted? You are famous, have all the followers on Instagram, and then when you're pregnant, everybody likes your picture. Is that what it means? That's not shade. That's not shade. I'm going to focus, guys. Focus. Focus. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I was tempted. <laughs> but, but what are your, we call them squad goals, right? What are your goals? What, what's your, what, when you think about you, when you arrive, if you have not arrived already, when you arrive, how are you framing that? You know, and there was stuff Ibukun said about what she's now using her life for. How, how do you translate from being a, a young girl who is using a slate, can't speak English, it's, it's, it's not accepted to being, to owning an NGO, running an NGO, and you're paying the fees for children. And someone is saying, God bless me, bless me. And James says, you ask, you receive not. He says, because every time you ask, it's really just about you. And he says, those are not the kind of customers everyone is looking for. So your life, you cannot be the object of your life. I love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.15. I apologize, I'm quoting quite a number of scriptures, but this is church from what I hear, so yeah, I can do like I want to. But 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, but he, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so, when we say we've given our lives to Christ, he then says to us, fantastic, would you now take that life and do, and be a blessing. So, audacious love does not live for itself. I keep saying to people, please, when you define success, and you must define success, because once you define what success is, it, it generates motivation and energy for you to move. But your definition of success needs to be a lot bigger than yourself. A lot bigger than yourself. Last note, audacious love. It does more than it speaks. So I like that scripture where in 1 John 3.18, it says, my children, do not love, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. So it's an audacious love is active. It's not waiting. It's not saying, okay, fine, fine. I know I would share God's love, but I'm going to wait until something happens. No. It's full of activity. It prepares, it develops capacity. Next week I speak about how to increase in love. 
and that will be the whole wrap-up of this. But audacious love does not wait for them to come. And it's looking for, because like I said, there are love emergencies in the world. There are people who are one day away from destroying themselves. There are people who are one day away, who are constantly contemplating suicide. There are people who are hungry. Matthew 25, Jesus itemizes love emergencies. I was in prison. I was naked, hungry. And they're like, when were you hungry? Ah, come on, Jesus. You can't, you're a son of God. You can't lie. Uh-uh. If I knew that you were hungry, Jesus, I would have. And he says to them that every time you did it to one person or you considered one person or the list of these people says it was me you did it to. So let me try and put this all together. Five minutes. Okay. Um, audacious love is the love that God has for us. It is not... Trust me, you know, when you put on your radio tomorrow as you're going, you're going to hear people sing about love. I like, I like love songs. I like love songs. I'm, I'm a romantic. Bini men are romantic. Okay? It's not my fault. All right? I'm a romantic like that. I cry at love songs. Uh, some of them, you know. Um, my, my favorite love song, you just focus on the message. Focus on the message. <laughs> focus on the message. Okay? I'm a romantic. You hear love songs. But... Don't think that that, by any means, is the definition of God's love. Look, you're going to fall in love if you're not in love already. I'm, I'm really praying about that. You're going to live a life filled with love and all. You're going to meet uh, the wonderful Mr. Wright and all the, and you'll find the lady, and all. That's, but that is important. It's fantastic. But when Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about audacious love. The love that does not have boundaries. The love that does not, that crosses the road. The love that says, look, I know that people might say, how dare you? But I will do this. The love that says that people might laugh at you, but I will do this. The love that says I may put myself at risk, but I will do this. The love that says I may lose some money. The gentleman, the Samaritan says, look, here's money, treat him. He says, and by the way, when I come back, so he leaves himself exposed. I'm saying to my friend, during the week that I know you have to build walls. And I know people have to build walls in their lives. But I said, when you build walls, you must have gates that people can transact with you. You must have windows. You can't lock up your life just because you have been hot before. As I close, we talk about Christian maturity. And I'm a huge, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, Paul says that is the whole essence of ministry gifts. I find that it's hard to define Christian maturity apart from love. In fact, when Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, 
talks about spiritual and non-spiritual. He's not talking about your ability to speak in tongues, prophesy. He's actually talking about your ability to walk in love and unity. In fact, I, you know, when he talks about you needing milk, that's what it is. Your love walk is immature, is what the summary of you needing milk is. So, my encouragement is, oh yes, Psalm 40 and 10. That's my encouragement. The psalmist says, talks about, says, I will not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving grace. This is what I like. It says, I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. My encouragement is don't conceal God's love. Don't reduce it to your mind. Don't reduce it to the measure that you think other people can handle. Help me look at your neighbor and tell them, don't, don't cheat me. <laughs> tell them, I, I insist on getting the real thing. <laughs> I don't know who God is asking you to forgive. I don't know who God is asking us to cross the road and reach out to. I don't know who God is asking us to put into the picture of our mind when we define success. I don't know who God is asking us to act for and on behalf of. The audacity of love is Jesus, is defined by Jesus. The audacity of love is us letting God's love shine through us. And we can boldly say we are love beings, we are distributors of love. This is greater than the love of a man or a woman. I read in your in closing, 1 Corinthians 13, and this time I really mean in closing, and I've said that two or three times. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Verse 8 says, love never fails. I ask you to please put your name. And let's confess this together. So I'm going to say, when, we, you know, when it's on the screen, so I'm going to say, Idris never fails. Oh, no, no, you have to go back, please. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, one, one verse or two verses back, please, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say, Idris suffers long, or I suffer long, and I'm kind. Idris does not envy. Idris does not parade himself. Idris is not puffed up. Idris does not behave rudely. Idris does not seek his own. Idris is not provoked. Idris thinks no evil. Idris does not rejoice in iniquity, but Idris rejoices in the truth. Idris bears all things. Idris believes all things. Idris hopes all things. Idris endures all things. Idris never fails. We'll do it one more time. We'll do it one more time. And I want you to do it with conviction. I want you to speak over your life and then we'll pray. And then we'll pray. Let's do it one more time. 
It suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade himself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. I do not seek my own. I am not provoked. I think no evil. I do not rejoice in iniquity, but I rejoice in the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I endure all things. I never fail. I'd like us to pray this morning. I'd like you to just ask God to give you grace, to give you grace, to show forth his love. I'd like you to ask God to, to give you grace, to show forth his love. The Bible says that love is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to say you will not conceal God's love. I'd like you to just pray. I'd like you to pray this morning. I'd like you to pray this morning. Say, Father, I want to, <laughs> I want to show forth this love. And you know what that means to you in your particular circumstance and situation. I don't know where you are with God in life. But I'd like you to pray and say, Father, I refuse to conceal your love, the love that you gave me. The kind of love that kept searching and searching and searching for me. In fact, for someone in this service, you just won't even want to start by accepting God's love. But Lord, I will not, I will not sit on your love. I will not lock it up. For someone, you are saying, Father, show me uh, the person who is lying down across the road from me. It prompt my heart that I may know where. Someone is asking God for boldness. Someone is asking God for boldness. Someone needs to forgive someone this morning. And you're just saying, Father, please, I forgive so and so. Someone, there's an uncle, there's an auntie, uh, there's a Shade, there's, a, 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 there's one person or the other who you need to say, Father, I let go of them. The heart is still here, but I let go of them in my heart. I refuse to hold on to them. For someone, God is saying to you, I've been wanting to do this and that and that and the other. And I'd like you to just go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Go ahead and pray. Someone needs to say, Father, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. Father, I no longer live for myself. Father, I no longer live for myself. Father, I no longer live for myself. I no longer love just in words or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Father, help me. Father, help me. I refuse to withhold love anymore. Father, help me. 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 If you feel all heads are bowed, we're all just praying. If you feel that you would like to forgive someone and you need God's help, I'd like to pray with you this morning. You know that there's someone who you've held in unforgiveness and it's been difficult. I'd like to pray. If you put your hand on your heart, I'll pray with you. Father, we thank you for everyone who's asking you for help with forgiving people. Lord, we pray for boldness. We pray for grace. We pray for wisdom. We ask, Lord, that you will do that through our lives, which you and you alone can do. We thank you for opportunity. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we refuse to hold anyone in unforgiveness. And we let them go. 
this afternoon. We let them go. We release them, Father. We pray for them. We pray for them that you would bless them. We know that they hurt us. And Father, we ask that you would cause us to heal. You would cause us to recover. But Father, we let them go because we are carriers of your audacious love. We refuse to hold any man in forgiveness. We read ourselves of bitterness. And Lord, we declare that we are free. Similarly, there's anyone who you would like me to pray for you and you say, look, Idris, I'm far from God, very far. But you say that God loves me. And I, I want to accept that love this morning. You say, look, Idris, I, my life has been troubled. I'm very scarred in my memory. My history is checkered. I've been places where people shouldn't have gone. I don't know what it is that you have done. But God says, like Hosea did, he says, I am willing to pay the price for you over and over and over again. The price I paid at the cross is enough, is enough. So anyone who says, I want to be born again, the Bible says if we accept Jesus, believe in our hearts that he died for us, he rose again, and we confess with our mouths that we'll become children of God. So there's anyone here, all heads are bowed, would you please just indicate by raising up your hand where you are, and I'd like to pray with you this morning. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your daughter whose hands are raised to you. Father, we ask that you receive them. Say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in my heart that Jesus paid the price for my sin. I believe in my heart that you love me. I ask that Jesus will come into my heart. I declare that I am now born again. I declare that I am loved of God in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.